How many of you are glad you're in God's house this morning? How many of you that are online that aren't in God's house are glad that you're with us today? Give your living room a shout, your kitchen, wherever it is, whatever it is. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, This is for me personally and for many of us an exciting Sunday, uh, something that we began talking about on February 3rd. And uh, as Brian mentioned, some of the things that are happening as as far as emphasis of prayer and things are are things that we talked about uh, in that particular service in February uh, that we're calling Fire. Five stones, five stones of ministry or emphasis for the season of ministry that we are in. And um, you may think that you just walked into a normal church service, uh, but you haven't. You've walked into, I believe, history in the making. I believe this is a day that we're going to look back on and, and remember that we took some steps of faith today. Uh, we took some steps into the unknown. And uh, there is a risk when we step into the unknown. There is a, an adventure that happens when we step into the unknown. And that's a little bit of what today Today is about, and so I, I welcome you. Thank you for being with us this morning. I'm always excited to be able to preach the God, but there's just maybe it's extra caffeine that I had today. I don't know, maybe the coffee back in the back is is got extra oomph. Yeah, Jehovah Java, the Lord that awakens thee, and and, uh, and some of you maybe need to meet him this morning as well. But uh, I, I'm I'm excited. We we've been doing a series for the last. Uh, this will be part five of a series that we've called from here to there, and uh, I have enjoyed it. I knew what the start would be. I knew what the end would be. I wasn't exactly sure what was in between, and I have enjoyed that journey uh, of of the in between of of the beginning and the end. Uh, if you weren't here, please don't feel like you've missed out on a whole bunch of things. I highly recommend, even if you were here, to go back, listen to the services uh, 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 as we began, and uh, you can go to greatjoy.org. You can listen to those. We have notes provided to help you with those things, because our heart's desire more than anything else is to put the Word of God into your heart so that you can act on it, so that you can live it, and so that you can be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to represent Jesus well? Amen. I think I, there was a church that I'm aware of, and they, they, I thought they were misquoting it. I thought they didn't know how to say represent. Their whole thing is to represent. They want to represent Jesus to the world. How many of you know that Jesus has taken a bit of a rap? Anybody that's a follower of Christ, man, you're bigots. You're, you're haters because you actually uphold a standard of righteousness. And so they're trying to represent Jesus to the world, that God is a God of love, grace, and mercy. There is a standard to uphold, but he is the God that is always for you and not against you. And that's the God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So in Matthew chapter, amen. Well, let's give Jesus a praise. That was nice. Yay. All right. Or were you swatting at a box elder bug? I'm not sure. I, I tell you what, those things are just here and they will not leave. I've learned more about box elder bugs in the last month than I have ever cared to know. Including how they taste. Yeah, including, Pastor John said, you didn't hear him, thank God. Including how they taste. (laughs) One found its way into my coffee cup. And I thought it was a crumb because I was eating a protein bar. I thought it was a crumb. And this was last Sunday morning, and my statement, my statement was, well, there isn't anything worse that can happen to me today. That was about 7 o'clock in the morning. I was like, well, this day is going to be good from here on out. So now, try to get all that imagery out of your thinking, get rid of that picture, that taste. They don't taste very well. Anyway, praise God. I don't know. Those things, actually, I, w- I should have. I took a picture. And I should have brought it with me this morning. I have found out why. You know, we've been in this building 25-ish years. We have never had box elder bugs like we have right now. I mean, they're, they're, they have survived the winter. They have survived everything. I, I, I'm not joking or exaggerating when I tell you that I kill at least 20 every day in my office. It's ridiculous. I can't believe it. Exactly. I took a picture of one. I found it on my Bible. It was over. He was reading about the resurrection of Jesus. That's what it was. That's what it was turned to. It was about the resurrection. He was right there. Pastor John sent me a carnal one. He had a picture of one that was on a on a Miller beer thing. And I was like, well, mine that I killed, I shouldn't have killed it because he could have witnessed to that one. But anyway, I don't know. Anyway, I don't have any idea what box elder boys have to do with anything that we're going to talk about other than 
shiny object and a squirrel. I don't know. So anyway, in my caffeinated imagination, we are looking at Matthew chapter 17. That has been our jumping off point that we have used throughout this series. I want to read it to you one more time. And as we kind of put this series uh, to rest in a sense, there's some things I want to come back and talk about sometime in the future. But Matthew chapter 17 and verse 19, there's a lot of things that have happened to bring Jesus and his disciples to this point. I would encourage you to read uh, those things. But in verse 19, it says, the disciples came to Jesus in private and said, why couldn't we drive it out? We could say it this way. How come we didn't get the answer to prayer? How come what we wanted to have happen didn't happen for us, but it happened for you? And Jesus said, he replied, because you have so little faith. And so we've been talking about how can I get rid of little faith, exchange it for great faith? How can I, how can I get my faith to grow? What about the, the, the steps, if, if you will, that God wants me to take? He, Jesus said, truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. The title for our series is from right here. Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. If you have just a little, a little bit of teeny tiny faith is enough to deal with every adversity and problem that you have in your life. I'm going to say that again. A little teeny tiny little bit of faith is enough power to deal with every circumstance, every situation, and every problem that you have in your life. I've been yelling at you for five weeks to try to get, get all of us to understand that, to know that, to believe it, rather than being condemned because, well, I must have little teeny tiny faith. It's all you need. That's it. That's all you need. And so we talked a little bit about maybe faith, and that was the, the start. In fact, let's all do this together. Just shrug your shoulders, hold your hands out, and go, maybe. Just start right there. Maybe. Maybe God. Maybe God can change my circumstance, my family. He can change my health. Maybe. And I know a lot of people get kind of, well, we should have more faith than maybe. That's hope. Hope is so important. Hope is the goal setter. It's the reason, again, that you see, well, it's the reason, again, that you will see in just a moment, you will see an image of a thermostat. And that thermostat's a goal setter. It sets the temperature. It regulates what it is. And so as we talk about some of those things, we've gone through maybe faith, and then we talked about baby faith. Baby faith is those steps that we take, those little teeny tiny steps that we take that follow in obedience to God. Do not miss the importance of bringing these little teeny small things to Jesus. We've read the scriptures where Paul said, Paul said, pray about everything. Ask God. Nothing is too small. Nothing escapes his radar. Nothing is beyond him, but he still encourages you to come to him. He actually just kind of wants to hang out with you a little bit. So he says, hey, bring everything to me. Quit waiting for the big stuff. Bring everything to me. And then we talked last week about developing a faith that really, uh, uh, that moves us from here to there. Because that's what's important. And, and what we said last week was, was simply this. The, the, the faith that got you to this point, the faith that has brought you to today, is not going to be the faith that brings you to tomorrow. It is not going to bring you, it won't be the faith that brings you to the point beyond. And a lot of people have developed faith for here, but they've never been willing to take a step. The circumstances, the resistance, the work, or the effort that was required to take the step, they've been unwilling to take that step. And so they have become, instead of a, a, pilgrim, a pilgrim who is sojourning, a pilgrim who is traveling, we've become settlers. And God doesn't want us to settle. God wants us to continue to grow. He wants us to continue to take steps. And so my faith, your faith, our faith has to grow so that we can move from where we are to where God wants us to be. I don't know if you have thought about this or not. A lot of people think that the goal of the Christian life is to get saved and go to heaven. Can I tell you, that's not even, that's not right. Those are benefits Heaven is a benefit of being born again. How many of you believe heaven is better than hell? Hell is real. It is real hot. Like I like to say, what section do you want in eternity? Do you want the smoking section or the non-smoking section? 
And I think that we should all agree, like, yeah, I kind of don't want the, the whole thing. That motivated me as a teenager, as a child. It motiva- I don't want to burn forever. I don't want to live in hell for, for all of eternity. And so I gave Jesus my heart and my life because it's going to be miserable to be a Christian, but at least I get to go to heaven. That was my thinking way back when. Not my thinking anymore. But I will say this, heaven is a benefit of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. The goal of the Christian life is for you and me to become like Jesus, for you and me to live like Jesus, to serve like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to represent Jesus to a world that has never seen what a true Christian, a true godly person looks like. That's the goal of the Christian life. And God's given us, I held up my iPad. He did not give us the iPad. He gave us the Bible. (laughs) He gave us his word. It is actually on here as well. Actually, I have discovered one of the biggest, I like this Bible because of its size, but when I open it up to read it, it's like, dear Jesus, I need like the brightest light in the world to be able to see everything. I've gotten really accustomed to that, and I can adjust the font size. It's awesome. Where the heck am I? (laughs) The goal of the Christian, the goal of the Christian pastor is to remember his place in his own sermon, (laughs) not get distracted by all of you people. Now, God, Holy Spirit was talking to me and he distracted me from my notes. No, that is not actually true. Those are the benefits of the Christian life. Life, joy, peace, health, strength. Those are all benefits of the Christian life. But our job, our goal is to represent Jesus to the world. The Apostle Paul said that we should live our life in such a way that we are the gospel that people read. People who will never pick up a Bible, never believe a Bible, never understand a Bible can look at our life. Dan Ellard has a great testimony of what it means just to live like a Christian. And then one day his brother asked him, said, you know what? We've noticed something about you. And when your brother says we've noticed something about you, generally what's coming next is not that great. (laughs) We've noticed you're just a -a ding-a-ling. No, he was talking about we have seen your faith. Can you recommend a church for us? That's how... We represent Christianity and God to the world. Listen to this in James chapter 2 and verse 17. This is from the Passion Version. It says this, so then faith, everybody say faith. Faith. It's our subject, moving from here to there. Faith that moves me from here to there. So then faith that does not involve action is, read it. Phony. Faith that does not move you. We're all right here. But if your faith is not moving you somewhere else, it is phony. But someone might object. Anyone in here object to that? Someone might object and say, one person has faith, another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I as proof that I believe. The proof that I believe isn't because I go to church. The proof that I believe isn't because I would nod in agreement and say yes, amen. The proof that I believe is that my actions are lining up with the things that God has said, and that's what faith is. We've talked a lot over the years and had a lot of teaching in a lot of different ways and places of faith to get things from God, and that's important. We need that, but we also need faith to change. And I said, I've said this, I think every week, when Jesus said that faith is designed to move the mountain, we think of all those external things, but what if the mountain is me? I want to see a faith that moves you and me to, to, to be different today than we were yesterday, to engage somebody in a conversation so we can bless our neighborhood so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. Anybody on board with that? I think it's time. It's time for the church to be the church. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance. Other translations say the confidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence or the assurance of things not seen. Those words, substance or confidence, evidence or assurance, they're very, very important to faith. And it all boils down to trusting God. You see, my faith is not for things. My faith is in someone. And many of us have developed faith in our ability. We have faith, developed faith in our confidence. We tend to only believe what we can see or what we can handle, what we have experienced. And that's the problem with God. <laughs> and it's the problem with faith because faith deals with the things that we don't see. And we have been so conditioned by life that we're going to Google 
And only things that, are, that can be proven to us are things that we are going to believe. If I don't see it, if I don't feel it, if I don't experience it, then it's not true. And I will not believe until I see. I will not believe until I feel. That's not what faith is. Faith is confidence and assurance of the thing that you don't see. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, without faith, if you lack faith, without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. It's impossible to please God. Here's I think the bottom line reason why it is so important for you and I to develop faith in our life, faith that moves us from here to there, because without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe, number one, that he exists. Now, you might be in here this morning, well, I'm a believer because I believe God exists. You know what James says about you? Besides, if your faith doesn't move you to action, then you're phony. Here's what James says, you believe in God. Good for you. Little golf, little golf clap for you. Oh, that's so, isn't that precious? You believe in God. You know what he said right after that? Is it James 2, 19? You believe in God, so do the demons. And they tremble. They're afraid. We believe in God. Big deal. The faith that pleases God, number one, believes that he is. And number two, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The two things that we must believe about God. Man, I just saw this this morning. excited me so stinking much. <sighs> Number one, we believe that God is. And he's a rewarder. God is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith. Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, James says, or yeah, James said, faith is action. Faith is stepping. Faith is doing. Faith motivates. And so it is the motivating faith. It is the stepping faith. It is the word of God faith that pleases God. And we believe that he is. Can I tell you, when is it the hardest time to believe that God is? It's when you're going through difficult times. It is when it is dark. It's when it's difficult. It's when it seems like the world is against you, that life is caved in and thrown up in your lap right now. And you're, God, where are you? Faith says God is. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm super righteous? Because I'm awesome? Because I'm just a happy Christian? No, because God's with me. Because God's with me, I'm not going to be afraid. Because God's on my side. I don't care if, if hell, I don't care if politics, I don't care if finances, I don't care if this world is against me. Me and God is a majority. Me and God is a super majority. God and I, I don't know which is the proper English. Either one is probably wrong, but it doesn't matter. God and us, God and me and we together cannot be defeated. Might look like it. Might look like we're a sheep to the slaughter. Might look like we're a lamb to the slaughter, but we're not. We're not. God is for us. He's on our side. And you have to believe that God is, and he's a rewarder. And I think this is missing, missing in a lot of our lives because we think that God's got the big stick. And he wants us to be a doer of the word of God. And if, he, if we aren't, then he's going to whack us in the line. He's going to smack us. He's going to beat us. No, God is a rewarder. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him, who put him first? God, God wants you to be a doer of the word. We call this obedience. God wants you to obey his word. I hear people, I just, I'm praying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? What's your will for my life? Let me tell you, here's your first step right here. 66 volumes of stuff to do. And when you're done with that, then you can go to God and say, okay, God, what, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to, how do you want me to respond? This is your first step because in this book right here is what you should do when somebody cusses you out, of what you should do when somebody cuts you off in traffic, of what you should do when you want to forgive or you should forgive somebody, but they don't deserve to be forgiven or they don't deserve to be loved. So when he says this in Hebrews eleven six, he's not saying this to, to be hard on you and that God is just like, I wanna, I'm going to beat you up if you don't do this. That's the impression that people have gotten. God says, I want you to obey my word and do what I tell you because that's going to be the best thing for you. God doesn't, hasn't filled up the New Testament with exceeding great and precious promises to make your life difficult. You see, oh boy, here we go. 
This world doesn't operate the, God, the way that God originally planned it. Sin corrupted this world. The separation from God caused this world to have to figure out how to live in a different way. And so this world will always be against you. This life will, is a current that is going the wrong direction. And so for as Christians, as Christians, we have to turn around and we're facing the current of life. And the only way that you can face this current of life is to live by the principles that God ordained and established before the foundations of the world that he now, by the Holy Spirit and holy men of old who wrote down these scriptures, they, they wrote these things down so that you and I can benefit from them. God isn't trying to make your life hard. He's trying to make your life better. I feel like an auctioneer talking way fast. <laughs> so Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God for those who come to him must believe he is and that he is a rewarder. And, and, and from Hebrews eleven six 6 on, and actually a couple of verses right before that, but from Hebrews eleven six 6 on, he begins to give us the picture of, of, of what are termed heroes of faith at least 14-ish times, depending on the translation that you're reading and the way you read it. There's at least 14 times where we see this phrase, now faith. Everybody say, now faith. Now faith motivated these saints of old, and, and, and it, it caused people, men and women, to do crazy, foolish, impossible things. Normal, ordinary, everyday people. It caused them to do something that they didn't think that they could do, or others around them ridiculed and mocked them because of the steps of obedience that they began to do in response to this God that they believed in and who believed that they would reward, that he would reward their acts of obedience. And I know that some, I mean, he goes through and he talks about all of these different people and he gets to the point where he's talking about how faith uh, caused the, the walls of Jericho to fall down, how it caused the Red Sea to part. And then he gets a little bit farther and he said, there were some who died in faith having not received the promise. You know, they go, wait a second. I thought faith was gonna sustain my life. I thought that God was gonna heal me. I thought that God was gonna do this or I thought that God was gonna do that. And yes, he will, but sometimes your life doesn't see the end of the promise from God's perspective, faith is not designed to make your life easier. Faith is designed to make impossible possible. And that's what Hebrews 11 shows us. People who in spite of, in the face of impossible. And I know that Bible stories seem far-fetched. They seem weird. I mean, how in the world can a kid's snack pack filet of fish kid's meal feed 5,000 people? That's foolish, crazy. How is it that a nation can walk up to a large body of water and the seas split and part and they walk across on dry ground and as they get to the other side, as the enemy that is pursuing them begins to take the same route, the waters cover back up and suddenly in a moment, all of the enemies of Israel are destroyed. How can that happen? How can that, how can those things happen? I don't believe with, I do not believe that God's finest hour is in the Old Testament or that God's finest hours are on the pages of the New Testament, that God finished the New Testament, finished the work of Jesus, and then he sat back and he retired and he said, you know what? You guys all figure it out. My best days are behind me. I'm kind of tired. Jesus is here at my right hand. I believe that our God is the same God and his same power. And I know that it is tried and I know that it is common to say, to, to, to us that, that God doesn't change and that God can do anything. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that your God is a God of power, that he is an ever-present source in our time of trouble, that our God is Jehovah and he is Jireh, the provider. He is Shalom, our peace. He is Java and he, not Java, that's coffee. Coffee. <laughs> I say that so often. <laughs> oh, praise God. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's my banner. Yes. Praise God. He is my healer, Jehovah Rapha. His name describes his character. And what might seem foolish in one moment, whew, I like this, what might seem foolish in one moment will be counted as faith in the next. 
Think about Noah. He is in verse 7. Noah, I tell you, that, that guy just inspires me partly because when I was a kid, Bill Cosby, he'd had a comedy routine with Noah and God and how ridiculous that it was. And I memorized that. And I used to go to speech contests and I would recite that. And so I've always liked Noah. And, and I just think of Noah just as a remarkable person because it had never rained. I don't know if they knew anything about boats. But I don't know how much faith it took for him to cut down the first tree. And all the years that it took for him to build the boat, and people come by and say, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Why are you building a boat? Why are you building it so big? What are all these animals? Kind of stinking around here. Had to put up with everybody hating on him, everybody making fun of him, all of the other things. And he said, well, I don't know, but God said build the boat because it's going to rain. What's rain? Well, I, it's, I don't know exactly, but God said to do it. Everybody thought it was foolish. Everybody thought it was crazy. Everybody thought it was stupid until it started to rain. And the moment that it started to rain, all of a sudden, the dots connected in people's mind. <laughs> They're running to the boat. I don't know. Maybe Noah would be a little bit like me and you. He'd be like, sorry, you had a chance. Actually, sorry, not sorry. You all hated me before, but now you love me. And I know that these things can sound strange. I know that these things can sound weird. They can sound too hard or, or, or maybe that you don't measure up. They seem foolish. But what might seem, you know what? Next week, here's, here might be a first step for some of you. Next week, we're going to talk about the prayer of agreement. You should be here. Because just writing things down on a card isn't, isn't what changes it. That's important. This is an important step. And you might be stopping. There might be a thought stopping you from writing down the impossible because it seems foolish. But what seems foolish right now can be an answer to prayer. It can be faith in the future. It can be the, the, the result of, 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 of because you believed and you stepped out. Writing down an amount that maybe stretches your faith. That's... That, I, I, What's foolish in one season will be faith in the next. It was foolish for Shelly and I to come to central Minnesota and start a church when we had absolutely no idea what the heck we were doing. It was foolish to rent a room in a school building. Because we had people saying, who's going to show up? I was like, man, I don't know. I know there's going to be 12. My mom's one of them. <laughs> none of you, well, I should say none. A few, most of you weren't there. It was foolish. It was foolish to think that we could get the building that we ended up getting before we added on to this building. It was foolish to think that we, I'll tell you what, there were so many roadblocks when we began to do this building. I literally sat in my office with our advisory board. I thank God for them. I sat in my office with Shelly and I was like, you know what, I think we should stop. I don't know that we can do this because the city said, you need to do this, this, this. We had already kind of finalized some plans. We knew how much it was going to cost. What they wanted us to do was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars more. And I'm like, I don't know that we should do this. And they said, you know what? We can do this. God has started it. We're going to finish it. That was foolish. But guess what? We're sitting in faith. We're sitting in what believing God, trusting God, working through some of the heartaches and the hardships. And we're here today. We're standing here in a moment and we're going to be receiving a pledges. I have no idea what to expect, but I trust God. I believe God. And what seems foolish in one season is going to be counted as faith in the next. And so take a step. Church, men and women, take a step. Remember, you don't get the second step until you take the first one. You don't, you don't see the whole thing until you, until you, you get that. And so, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people, well, God, what do you want me to do? Just do the Bible. Take those steps. Be a doer, not just a hearer. Um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ, how many of you have done that? When you place your faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. John, I'm sorry, Paul was talking to the Galatians, a lot of problems about the law and legalism and all the different things that were happening there. And he's trying to convince people about something, that faith is more important, that faith is the most important thing, not just being keepers of the law. He said, what is important is faith, what kind of faith? Faith expressing itself in love. Here's what's important. Faith that expresses itself how? In going to church? In quoting Bible verses? No. 
that expresses itself in love. You want to know when your faith has the greatest opportunity to grow? When there's sacrifice attached to the step. When you would rather not because it's uncomfortable, when you would rather not because it's going to stretch you or because you're not big enough, and you take that step in obedience, there's a sacrifice with that. Some of you sacrifice to get up and come to church today. Others of you might think, well, that's not a big sacrifice. Well, you don't know. You do not know what that person might have gone through to get here this morning. You don't know how many kids they had to put up with. They don't, you don't know what kind of an ex they might have had to put up with or what kind of a deadbeat, whoever. They, you don't know. And it might have been a, painful, a painfully step, but they took the step. Your step to love. Your step to forgive. Your step to, to be a doer. Your step to write down prayer requests. Man, that's a step. Your step to write down an amount to give. All of those things are steps, and when there's a sacrifice attached to it, often that's the step of faith that is so important because God is pleased by our faith. God is pleased when we take those steps. I can't wait. I, I, I have not been able to wait to share this with you. I finally get to. It's been about two weeks that I've wanted to. Go ahead and put that next slide up there. <clears throat> and this is such a revelation. God will e either show you the mountain without the path, or God will show you the path without the mountain, but rarely will he show, show you both. God will show you the mountain. You're here. He'll show you the mountain over there. That's the promise of God. That's the goodness of the blessing. But you don't see the path. He just asks you to walk. The mountain for us was, for Shelly and I, 30 years ago, was going to central Minnesota and starting a church. That, that was the mountain. That was like, man, we can see a lot of wonderful things. But we didn't really see a lot of, the, in fact, I'll just be honest with you, there, there were far more things in the path that I never even thought would ever be there. <laughs> and then sometimes God just shows you the path. You don't know why exactly you're doing what you're doing. You don't understand why you're taking those steps. You don't know why you're talking to that person. You don't know why you're doing those things. But then you turn around and you look and you go, oh, that's why. But both of those require faith. They require trust. They requi require confidence in God. And so let me just say this to you. Faith is okay with not knowing all the details. Faith is okay with not having everything figured out. Faith is, faith is okay without you going to Google and asking Google about it, consulting the internet before you take a step, consulting the many experts that are out there. Well, expert so-and-so says, I don't care because I had expert Jesus. He is the sum of all wisdom and beauty and perfection. Praise God. Faith is necessary when you can't see the way, when you don't know the path, when you don't know what's set out in front of you. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word, let me say God's word. God's your word. Remember, we could, I, I think you could, in fact, I might do this. We could interchange when, when we see your word or the word of God, we could just interchange it with the word faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As I hear the word of God, faith is developed. Faith is built up. Hope begins to emerge. Faith or assurance and confidence because faith is the assurance. It is the confidence of the thing that I can't presently see. So he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path. Can I ask you a question? When is it that you need a lamp or a light? Darkness. When it's dark, when I can't see. And when I don't know the way, when I don't know the steps, when I'm unsure and when I'm uncertain, God's word is a lamp. God's word is a light. And, and, and a lamp and a light, it's not like the light in this room. It's only going to illuminate just a little bit, but that's what we need. We need illumination. Faith is then once it's illuminated, I take a step. And because I've taken a step with that light, I keep going. It's darkness around me, but, but I'm, I'm in the light, and I'm walking in the light, and as long as I'm walking in the light, I'm, I have assurance, and I have confidence that my step is going to be sure, that my step, that, that, that whatever's there is going to hold me up, and even if it doesn't, God's there with his right hand of righteousness to hold me up. Praise God. So God is, God's word is what we need when we don't know exactly what to do. So faith starts when we first realize that we're not in control. Faith starts 
Not when we have control, but faith starts when those, in those areas where we do not have control in our life, but we put our trust into the one who does know the direction, who does have control. And when we put our faith in God, when we put our faith in him, again, we use the analogy, the mountaintop, that is the great experience with God. But how many of you know that those aren't, <laughs> those are at times few and far between? And that life is lived in the valley. Real life happens, and that's what happened. I think that's part of what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 17. The, the, the story that we get is that Jesus and, and his three compadres, Peter, James, and John, they were in the mountaintop, and then crazy, crazy happens. Elijah and, and Moses show up, and it's a, whoo, it's a powerful time. Peter's like, man, let's build a church right here. Let's just camp right here. But down on the mountain, life is going on. I'm sorry, down in the valley, life is going on, and that's where life is lived. And you might be here this morning, and most of your life might, have, might be mountaintops. Everything's going hunky-dory. Everything is great. You might not think that these things apply to you. But chances are, real life is going to happen. Chances are you're going to need faith. Chances are you need to develop some of these things. The Bible says we have a shield of faith. That we use, that we, that we understand. Here's the thing. When we get stuck in the how, because that's what we want to know. How is this going to happen? How is this going to come to pass? I'm stuck in the house. So how in the world are we going to pay $750,000, do the debt thing? And, 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 you know, especially now with everything that's going on, the crazy that is in the world. How? But here's the truth. When we get stuck in the how, we forget the Who? And your faith needs a who. And let me just tell you, the who is not you. Let me say that again. I want to read it. When we get stuck in the how, we forget the who. And your faith needs a who, and that who is not you. If your faith is in you and what you can do, you are going to bounce around this life. You might die, go to heaven. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Yeehaw. Praise God. You believe God. But he wants us to grow. He wants to represent Jesus to this world. So, I began this series with this simple little word, maybe. Maybe. Maybe God will do something spectacular in my life that is hope. Maybe God will work. Maybe God will move. Maybe God, because I think a lot of people have lost hope. We just think that these things that are written in the Bible for Bible days or they're for very special people and it rarely happens for anybody. I think this is the day the Lord has made. I think that we should rejoice. I think that we should be glad in spite of what is going on. I think we should lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing nigh. It is closer than it has ever been before. And it would appear to me that it has fallen on this generation to welcome back the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, and to see this, the kingdom of God established in a new way. We, uh, you and I have been built, ordained, and we are living for this day right now. Right now. So your faith needs a who. I want to just sort of read some of these things to you. Your faith needs a who. Human faith or hope is trust in yourself. It's what your trust in what you know about your circumstances, what you know about who you are or your abilities. That's what human hope and human faith is. When your faith or hope or confidence is in you, you say things like, I hope I get better. I hope my needs get met. I hope my marriage works out. I, I wish I wasn't dominated by addictions. I, I wish that I wasn't so lonely. When your faith has a who, those statements turn from, instead of saying, I hope I get better, Jesus took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. I hope my needs get met. It turns to my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4. I hope that my marriage works out. Well, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, what God's joined together, don't let anyone rip it apart. I wish I wasn't dominated by addictions, but Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become brand new. I wish I wasn't lonely. I wish I didn't feel alone. But Jesus said, I will be with you till the very end. So why not? Why not you? And why not me? Why aren't we the exception of this exceptional God? 
Daniel was in the lion's den. <laughs> People don't come out of lion's dens alive. But he did because God made an exception. Abraham and Sarah, way beyond the age of having children, yet God made an exception in their life. And they gave birth to a healthy baby. People walked up to a sea and it parted. A young shepherd boy picked up some rocks, killed a mighty warrior giant. He was an exception of everybody else. So why not you? Why not me? Because the Bible's pretty clear that God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Is that God any weaker than he was a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago? Was he any weaker when he was with Daniel? Was he any weaker when he was with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace? Was he any weaker when he was with Gideon who looked at himself and said, I am weak and I am the least and I'm the smallest, I'm the most insignificant. Was God any weaker then than he is right now? The people who know their God will be strong and they will do exploits. There's a lot of impossible facing this world today. There's a lot of impossible facing the body of Christ. But our God is a God who specializes in things that are impossible. Woo! I don't know about anybody else, but Pastor Brian preached himself happy this morning. Glory to God. Now let me get to my notes. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. Why not you and me? If God's going to grant someone favor with the bank, then why not me? If God is going to going to restore someone from depression, then why not my friend? If if God is going to heal someone, then why not me? If 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 God is going to turn someone's heart, then why not my family member's heart, my father, my mother, my brother, my sister? If God, if you're going to bring revival to the world, well, why not my city? Why not my church? Why not my home? Why not my life? Are we open enough? Are we willing enough? Praise God. I have one more thing that I want to talk to you about this morning, and it's this. <laughs> one of the least favorite parts of my job is to ask you for money. I'll just be honest with you. That's why we don't talk a lot about it. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for the greatness of our God. I'm thankful for how God has blessed this congregation over the years. It is amazing to me what this group of people has accomplished, but I believe it's the tip of the iceberg. Believe that, believe that with all my heart. And so <clears throat> on February 3rd, we laid this out. We talked about how God is going to do this. Kind of a crazy idea, but what seems foolishness in one season will end up being faith in the next. And so we're asking you to, we have asked you to get involved in this. And, and I, I just want to say a couple of things. Read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 says this. Let me read this to you. 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is able to bless you abundantly. God has blessed this church abundantly because I believe God has blessed you. So that in all things, everybody say all things, at all times, having all that you need. How many of you believe that God's able to do that? That at all times, in all things, you'll have everything that you need. If gas is $10 a gallon, you're going to have $10 to buy a gallon of gas. If inflation is at 15%, you're going to have somehow, God is going to do something that you will have everything you need so that, so that at all times, notice this, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. On Thursdays, I was going through this and just praying and trying to wrestle through a lot of these things that I knew I needed to say, wanted to say, felt I should say. Something kind of came up in my spirit, and I do not want to embarrass anybody. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. There are people in this congregation that are excited about giving in, in this project. We're asking people to, to adopt, in a sense, to invest $25 per square foot, about 47,000 square feet in this building. Because we believe, I'm believing God that we can raise a million dollars. That million dollars is going to pay off the debt. That million dollars is going to take care of some pretty big ticket items that we need to take care of around here. And I also believe that that sets us up for the future whatever that future is. It really helps us in a lot of ways. And so I'm going to say it this way. You're not my source this morning. But you and I are a source. We're the main players. And so God's going to have to bless somebody. 
I said it last week. I don't know how, I'll, God, you, however you want, I'll, I'll, I'll pay off the debt myself. You figure it out, God. I'm a giver. I, I, I believe in tithing. I believe in giving. I've been giving. Wealth of the sinner eventually finds his hands into the, ways into the hands of the just. God, you want to use me? Use me. Do my part. So we're all going to do that, I, I, or I'm asking you to do that. And I know that many of you are, are, are joyful, you're sacrificial givers, you believe in it. Others are you're givers, sometimes not always joyful. That, yeah, okay, I'll give because, you know, it's, kind of, it's a sacrifice. I know that there are some people, though, that are here today that, that you, for good reason, aren't going to give. Maybe you're new here, or this is, if this is your first Sunday here, this is, this is I do not want to ever confirm what some people say, all the church wants is, the, is my money. Because that's not this church. I'll say that again, that's not this church. We give because we see need, and we give because there's a blessing attached to it. We have to attach faith to our giving. So you may be here, and this is one of your first times. You're not sure that this is your church. I, I fully understand and, and, uh, that, that you would not want to invest in something. You're not sure that this is where you need to be. I get it. There's no pressure in, in, I don't want there to be any pressure. I don't want there to be any guilt. I don't want there to be any condemnation at all. And that's what makes this so hard. I know that there are some who feel like they can't give, and, and, and I would challenge that because... You, you and I, we need to make some adjustments in, in our habits. Do we need 15 streaming services? I mean, beer and cigarettes cost a lot of money. Is that $5 cup of coffee really better than Folgers? Well, I think so, but... <laughs> Depends on how you make it, how you like it. I have, I have found that I like my Keurig. Far less waste without... The, with a Keurig machine. So maybe we need to make some, we could if we, if we would make generosity a priority. And here's the thing. I know that people can argue about giving. They can argue about a lot of different things when it comes. I, I get this all the time, you know, the giving principles of the Old Testament or tithing. We believe in the tithe. I believe that, that, that giving 10% back to God is, is the, that's the baseline. That's the starting point for Shelly and I. Now, not everybody's there. I get it. And you can argue about the tithe, whether or not it's Old Testament or New Testament. We can argue about a lot of different things, but one thing you will never be able to argue about is that God has told us in his word that we should give somehow in some way. In fact, the apostle Paul said in the, to the church at Corinth, he said, on the first day of the week, you should set aside a certain amount based upon your income for giving. That's pretty plain right there. In the Old Testament, God said, I want you to give the first part, not the last part, not the leftover part. Because we all know what happens with the leftover part. It's gone. So God says, I want you to give the first part. You know why? Because it requires faith to give the first part. Because that means you got to believe there's going to be a, a second part and a third part and a fourth part. And maybe you've never heard these principles and you're not in a position where you can give because uh, of just of where you are at in life right now. Totally get it, totally understand it. But, but my, my heart is for this next group of people. Thursday, I was wrestling with this. I don't, I think that there are people that are here this morning that really want to give, that really believe in the mission of this church, who've been benefited and blessed by this church. And you want to give, you, you want to give, and you can't. And it isn't because you spent all your money on other things, you just can't. And maybe the best you can do is maybe faith. Maybe one day I can write that check. Maybe one day I can be the giver. That, maybe one day I can do that. But right now, I don't even have a smile to give away. I, I got nothing. And so the Lord challenged me. So I was talking with Shelly last night. And I believe that there are people that are here today and you cannot give. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Do not come to me later. The time is right now. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I can't give anything. Go ahead and put verse 8 up there. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all... Oh, I'm sorry, the next slide, sorry. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You see, anything that you have, it came from God first. 
We, we have it backwards. We think we got all this stuff. We got to figure out how we're going to give it to God. No, God gave it to us first, and he's asking for a portion of it back. He says, God is the one who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. He will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be, you will be, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also so overflowing in many expressions, thanks be to God. The picture is that God is the one who gives people seed so that they can sow. And once they sow that seed, that seed begins to grow and it begins to increase and it becomes more and more so that you can be a blessing in every season and in every situation. So to the few of you that are here today, the adults that are here today, over the age of 21 today, if you say, I do not have a nickel, I cannot give anything at all, I know that this is hard. I do not want to embarrass you, but would you just stand up for a second? I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. Anyone at all? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone? Stand up. Stand up. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Just keep standing. Keep standing. All right. All right. Shelly, would you get... We have $25 in each of these envelopes. This is Pastor Brian and Shelley money. This is not Joy Christian Center money. This is seed for you to sow. This is seed for you to give. And I believe, God, that it is a grace that you receive this. You take this. And it is seed that you can then sow. And by sowing, God is going to bring a harvest and an increase back into your life. I'm going to ask the worship team if you would please come this morning. I'm making Shelley run all over the congregation. I like to see it. Her little Fitbit's running crazy. I'm going to ask the worship team, thank you guys for coming out. I'm going to ask the, the connections team, if you would please bring uh, our commitments, <laughs> if you will. We're going to pray over this. And I want to thank you in advance. I have decided I am not going to be, I, I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be even keel. I'm not going to be real excited. I refuse to be disappointed. I'm taking a step. And we've done this a couple of times in our congregation. We get everybody. If you're here this morning and you didn't have an opportunity to get a card, we've got some cards available. You can do it after the service. Maybe I inspired you so well. You want to get your card out of here and, and you want to erase it and put a bigger number in there. We'll figure it out. <laughs> But we've done this a couple of times in our congregation. We've done this a couple of times here at Joy Christian Center. I, I presented it this way. God, this is what we can do. This is what we can do. This is what we can do. Now, God, I'm asking you to do what we can't do. I don't have to know everything. I have to be okay with the unknown. So, God, I'm taking this first step, and I believe that when you give me the first step and I take it, you're going to give me another step. In, in my finances, our finances, and the finances of this church. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to do something else because I think it's just important. When I grew up as a kid, when I grew up, if I grew up, as a kid, uh, we would have altar services in my church where people would just come to the altar and pray. The worship team is going to sing a song, the kind of the bridge part of it, the chorus part of it is, I'm going to see a victory. How many of you are believing God for an increase in your life in some area, whether it's your finances, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your job, whatever it is, if you're looking to see an increase, you see a victory, whatever it is, I want to ask you, if you're comfortable, just come on up. Let's worship together. We're going to pray, and then uh, uh, Pastor Josh will lead us in that song, and we're going to worship. So Heavenly Father. I thank you for the faithfulness of this congregation. I know that your, this faithfulness is based on your promises. Father, I, I look around this church over 30 years and I'm amazed at what you've done. And I'm amazed at the part you've allowed me to play in this. But Father, I understand that I'm just a piece, I'm just a part, that, I, that, that I'm here. And, and, and Lord, I thank you for the men and women that are around this place, that, that love this church and what you do and have found life here, found joy here, found connection here. 
And Father, in the name of Jesus, as we present to you what we can do, this is faith to us. This might seem like foolishness, but Father, it's not foolishness. It is trust in you. And so God, we've done what we can do and we ask you to do what only you can do. I pray, Father, that you bless each and every hand that is given, that you bring increase into their heart, into their life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do impossible in their finances in spite of what is going on. And Lord, we believe you right now. We state our faith that we believe that every single every single square foot of 47,000 square feet is going to be adopted, is going to be invested in, and that, Father, the miracle is going to happen. And so, Father, we release our faith right now. We release our believing right now, and we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's give Jesus a great big praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you. 